I can't? I was fixing to open with it. Okay, I won't. Good morning, everyone. We're getting started. I'm glad you're all here. We'll start in prayer um, for an update on Elijah. Um, I was just talking to Stacy. I think they're the ones who've seen him last. He um, still needs prayer regarding his blood pressure, that every time they try to take him off a of sedation, his blood pressure elevates. So we need to be remembering him there and just speaking life and just praying that they that the doctors have wisdom with regard to what is actually going on in his body. So um, does anybody else have anything? I know there are other things. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Right. Did you hear that, Mike? Teresa Gonzalez had a car wreck. Okay, so Teresa Gonzalez and um, the court hearing, got it. Anyone else? Patty's sister passed away. So, yes. So, yes. Have heaven invade the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Yes. I will, um, I know I've shared this before, and I, and I share it with several people, and I'll, I'll continue to. I, I shared it last week. I am a big believer in communion. I take, I don't just take communion at church. I take communion at home, and I look up the scripture, I look up all the, and I, and I take communion, I, because that is the strength of my healing is the there you go, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I take communion. When I had my knee, had him, I didn't go to a doctor. I know what the doc. I've been to doctors plenty of times with my knee. They want to operate. I've had two knee surgeries. I know what that treatment is like. So I would just, I had, I don't deny that there's pain. I don't deny that there's a problem. I would, I would sit before the Lord with communion and I would pray that God would heal me and I would speak to my knee and I would, this is the, I would focus on the source of my healing is communion. 1 Corinthians 11, read it in its entirety. It says that, it says that Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he says, because you don't know how to properly discern the Lord's body, there are many who are sick many who are weak, and many who have fallen asleep. Now, in there, you're going to see, you're going to have to read it and do some study on it because it also speaks regarding 
that you don't know how to discern the Lord's body with regard to his sacrifice and how you see his sacrifice. And it's mainly evidenced according to this scripture and how you treat others. So you will have to take, when you're sitting before the Lord with his sacrifice, you're constantly going to have to evaluate based on my covenant with the Lord and my loyalty to him, how do I treat others in the body of Christ and next layer, those who are not, with regard to that? And so what it causes you, it's like a mirror you set before. And you see, when you look in the mirror, you look for, what are you looking for? To see, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, are you looking to see how great you look? You're looking to see what needs to be repaired. Anybody? What needs my attention? How do I... You know, what slobber do I need to wipe off my face? You know, do I have a booger hanging out of my nose? Because y'all are going to notice this. This is communion. It's setting yourself before the Lord and saying, Lord, search me and try me. And you're coming into alignment with his sacrifice. Not just regard to like putting a spiritual coin into a slot machine and getting what you want out, a.k.a. your healing or whatever that may be. But you're coming in, you're saying, Lord, the totality of my life, I want to bring it in under the auspices of your divine knowledge. Check it out, Lord. Here we are. Yeah. That's it. And it. But it has all of those things included in that covenant. You're bringing yourself before the covenant. And so, yeah. And so, and I will say it like this. It, it's not something that's a one and done. I mean, who in here has ever been on a medical treatment program and it was one and done? No. You stay with it. Boy, you go back to the doctor and he'll tweak it a little bit. You know what I mean? But we act like coming to the Lord for healing and deliverance is just like, well, I asked and he didn't. I guess it wasn't his will. You know, and that's where you have to, it's like, well, you know, we get distracted. What are we talking about? Let's open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you hear and answer prayer. I pray for Elijah right now, Lord God. We declare over his body in the name of Jesus that he is whole. I pray, Lord God, that you would restore him. Whatever this blood pressure situation is, I speak the name of Jesus over it. And I command that his body align to the will and the word of God. I ask, Lord God, that you would give the doctors wisdom, profound wisdom, Lord God. I ask that you would dispatch angels, Lord God, to speak to those who need to know, Lord God, and give them the insight that they need. I ask, Lord God, that you would raise him up. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen Andrea and that you would be with her, Lord God, and give her such astounding peace, Lord God, in your provision. 
Lord, I pray, Father, for Tommy. I pray that this court situation, that your will would be done, Lord God, that you would grant favor, Lord, for your glory. I ask, Lord God, that you would be with Cindy in this court situation, Lord, that, that you would give favor, Lord God, as they are seeking to raise faith in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that you would just be with them and give them mighty favor, God, in your name. I praise you, Lord God, and pray that you would touch Teresa's body, that you would strengthen her, Lord God, that you would bring her into the fold. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. All right, let's go to Luke 18. We're going to be talking about today as we're kind of <clears throat> rounding out faith talk. But I'm going to start a series. It's going to be part of the faith series because you can fit anything in under a faith series. I mean, what, what can't you fit in? But we're going to talk about, I've been writing with regard to this topic. We're going to go into the war for the door. The war for the door. And even before that, I'm going to, and I'm looking at a Revelation series as well. I have been listening and studying, putting in hours of Revelation study as well. Now, before I do that, probably next week, I don't want you to miss because I'm going to have a questionnaire and I'm going to ask you, it's going to be very simple and anonymous. I'm going to want to know your belief regarding the rapture what you believe. Uh, you don't have to put your name on it. I want to know the room I'm talking to. I want to know if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, or some version of that, or a post-tribulation rapture. I want to know, and I'm going to, and if you, or if it's an I don't know. And I want to know if it's an I don't know, um, if you don't know because you just um, haven't studied enough to know, or if your I don't know is because you're still undecided on the above. So these are what we're going to, this is what we're going to look at. And we're going to look at in this Revelation study, I'm going to be giving you, and I'll probably even have to ask you another question with regard to who you are as a millennialist. Now, if, that, if I say that and that means nothing to you, then you're like, that's a big hard I don't know. And I may not have to ask that question, whether, whether you are a premillennialist, whether you are a postmillennialist, all millennial, is any of these things ringing a bell to anybody, or a preterist. So y'all are like, no. See, I may not have to answer. I may not even have to ask that. Because there are so many different views out there. And wherever, and see, a lot of times you can listen to a study and you're listening from a preterist point of view and they're giving you theirs and you're like, I don't even know what this is. It's it just... We have to know with regard what we're talking to and where we're landing and what we're coming from. And I know that in these last days, it's important for us to have some good orthodoxy with regard to these things. So we're going to be looking at that as well. But today we're not talking about those things. We are talking about faith's response today. Faith's response. Now, Luke 18, 1 through 8 is a parable that has been troubling me for quite some time. I thought we weren't supposed to be troubled by the Word of God. I often am troubled by the Word of God. Um, what is it? I think it is. I think that as we... Makes me search more, for sure. Okay, Luke 18, 1 through 8. I'm going to read this here. It says, Then Yeshua told them a parable of how they should always pray... <clears throat> and not be discouraged. So we're setting up this parable. He said, There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor respected people. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my opponent. He was unwilling at the time, but afterward he said to himself, Although I don't fear God nor respect people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she won't wear me out by her incessant coming. Nag. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge is saying. So he's saying, here, this is what, this is what we're coming to. Won't God do justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will quickly give them justice. But when, here's the troubling part to me. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Really, really? Yeah. So, and I'm looking at this. Who's telling the story? The Son of Man is telling the story, right? So when he's talking about him coming, what does he mean? When he comes back. He's talking clearly about his second coming, isn't he? He's not talking about the coming of his first coming. This came as a baby, you know, in a, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And he grew and he became the sacrifice for all humanity. And he, he has done the redemptive plan with the cross, tomb, resurrection, ascension and enthronement. There is another portion of his advent, of his coming. And it will be the second coming. He will, I believe, just to give you, I am not a preterist or an amillennialist. I believe that Jesus will physically come to the earth one day. And he will stand on the Mount of Olives, as Zechariah the prophet says. And he will physically rule the earth from Jerusalem. And there will be one government set up on the earth, a theocratic rule of the whole earth. And that's what we're coming to. See, Jesus has not sat on the throne of David. He hasn't. But he will. And that's what this whole thing is coming to. And it tells this parable to ask this question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? First off, does he not know? He's getting us to think. Is that all it is? He's wanting us to act, so he's stirring us. I believe that. How many of you believe that you're a free moral agent? Raise your hand. A free moral agent. So is your faith predetermined by God? So when he comes, will he find faith on earth? That's, so he's saying yes, because what are you saying, Andy, when you say that? There you go. There you go. When he comes, will he find faith on earth? And the question is for us to answer because we have to. He will find faith somewhere. 
right? Because me and Andy are going to be here. <laughs> but the question is, though, obviously for us to bring our life into the scrutiny of faith. Do we have a faith response in our life? Now, here is what we look at. Men, he says, he starts in verse 1. Men ought always, he told this parable to this end, that men ought always to pray and to faint not. And he concludes it with, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's just remove the middle. And what do we see the first response of faith is? There you go. Pretty easy, isn't it? Men are always to pray and faint not. Not faint. I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance. It means to not be discouraged, to not faint, to not lose heart. The word in the Greek is ekaeo. There you go. Ek, it is a compound word. Ek, the Greek prefix ek always means out from. Ek is out from and to something. So from something and to something always means that. And kathos here means to inwardly bad, to be negatively influenced with the outcome or experience inner weariness, to become exhausted and give up. Men ought always pray and not to give up, to become weary, wearied, to become exhausted. So, so to become this, so what would be an indication of non-faith's response? What? But what would be the indication of what would depress? Okay, depression. Okay. What? Okay, any fear. Any behavior, okay. Any discouragement, right? Well, you're like, well, dang, right? We're all without faith. That's what it starts to feel like, right? Men ought always pray and faith, and, and, and faith not. So we look at that and we're like, man, but let's look at the other, what prayer does for us. Prayer, to pray, to offer prayer. It is another Greek word that's quite a bit longer, pros yokeome. Pros yoke, I'd rather just say pray, wouldn't you? Pros yokeome. Pros means toward. And it's another compound word. Pros means toward. And exome is to exchange wishes. Isn't that fun? To exchange wishes. Okay, I'm, I know. That's all right. You don't have to take notes. I'll print it or something and give it to you later. Exchange, to pray. Now listen to this. I'd rather you listen. Literally, to interact with the Lord in prayer is by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes as he imparts divine faith. <laughs> to pray is to exchange wishes. Men ought always to pray, exchange my wishes for his wishes, and not faint. That's fun, isn't it? Lord, what, see, that's just coming right back to communion. You're setting yourself before the Lord and focusing and saying, Lord, what's your wishes for me? 
and you're exchanging whatever is not of him in your life for what is. This is the, this is the response of faith. Men are always to pray, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So I have to take my life and put it in the circle of that question and say, Lord, when you come, will you find a faith response here? Will you? Luke 11, 5 through 13, it's another parable. You probably know it very well. I'll just back up and read it super quick. may not read it all. I may just skip through it because I've got a lot of ground to cover. Luke 11, 5, beginning at 5. And when Yeshua said to them, Which of you has a friend and will go to him at the middle of the night, at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Then from within he may answer, saying, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even if the friend will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. There you go. That's what he's saying. But see, we're talking about faith's response here. In the first case... The woman goes to the unjust judge, and she doesn't stop going until she gets it. So persistence is a faith response. Full stop. It just is. Persistence is a faith response. The next one is, in this situation, the man who has the bread and the man who doesn't have the bread he has the need, the friend showing up, and he hasn't. Now, you, why don't you just go to Walmart and buy a loaf of bread? Well, we know in these times bread has to be leavened. Bread takes a minute, right? Those of you who have made bread for homemade, it takes a minute to make it. And I mean by minute, it takes a while. It's got to prove two times. And then it's, they would have been using wild yeast, not quick, not Fletcher's, not Fletcher's quick rise, right? Wild yeast, meaning you had to catch it from the air and let your, I mean, it took even longer. So when the friend shows up and he doesn't have bread, it's supposed to let you know from this cultural vantage point, he couldn't fix it himself. So he goes to the friend and he knocks on the door. Here's another faith response. First is endurance and persistence here, but here's the reality. Because he clears it up by finishing with the very famous scripture you all know. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened. Back to communion and what am I doing every time I'm asking the Lord in communion? Seeking. I'm going to get what I've come for because I'm going to keep on doing this. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks it will be opened. Faith response. You will never, ever, 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 ever knock on a door that you don't think has the answer. You won't do it. Yes. 
availeth much. Absolutely. So we look at here. Faith's response is endurance, it's persistence, and it is also when you are knocking on his door, it is an indication to him that you are saying, I believe you have what I need. You only knock on the doors you believe have the need. It's just human reality. When you're looking for healing, many of us will breeze through the prayer line as we're running to the doctor's office. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the doctor. But I'm talking about this no, this, where do we park ourselves in seeking? Where do we park ourselves in asking? That's what we're going to find. Many times, I'm not saying, again, Andrea loves doctors. I love doctors. I love doctors. But this is a cultural, this is a cultural identity we have. You have been programmed to believe from infancy that the only place you can receive healing is from your physician. Am I wrong or am I right? And you've, you, in the logic somewhere in your Western mind, you will wait at a doctor's office and you won't wait in prayer for one minute. not trying to be condemned I'm not I'm just trying to I, I want to I, I want to I want to get a faith response in the room I'm not saying don't go to the doctor I'm just saying where do you knock where do you ask where do you seek that's why I do communion I'm, I'm putting something before me I say, Lord, that's what I'm asking. You know, I don't go to other doors, Lord, because I don't have the answers I need. I don't go to those places. Absolutely. Yes. At the very last hope. This is, and Becky, this is our cultural upbringing. It just is. It just is, and this is not, I'm not, like I said again, I'm going to say it again. I love doctors. I appreciate the medical, I appreciate many people are healed through modern medicine, right? I mean, I'm thankful, Andy, you're, you're a nurse. I'm thankful you're there. But you understand divine healing as well. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You trust him better than you do your own field, right? We got Stacy. It has to be a true. It's true. And we see this many times in third world countries, developing countries. They don't have the options. So they, and that's where they're, they don't have the options. And he wouldn't have. He did everything he could. 
so when, when he did that, just the, the rest of that story is, is that when he had the gangrene, they, they, they went to the hospital, and when you're in that situation, you're as good as dead. So the surgeon just ripped him open. Many people have asked him before, if he has a T-shirt on, he'll, it'll catch right here all the time. They'll say, oh, you have a gun. They think it's a gun. Something hit, hitched on there. It's a giant scar on his back, if you've ever seen it, because they just ripped him open and left him open to drain. Because he, he has a giant scar in the front and one on the other side. The surgeon just ripped him open and started scraping out the gangrene. Packed him in ice. How long in the hospital? A month. So we know all of this because one day we were in church where we were on staff as a youth pastor. And, um, you know, you don't think that a surgeon remembers you. You know, how many people do they have, right? And you're a 10-year-old boy. 10? 9. Okay. So he walked up to him, and he was just, we talked to him all the time. And Dr. Chandler said, he, he just, this day, he just said, man, Mike, I'm so glad to see you here. I mean, where's, you know, he said, I'm just so, and I was like, well, I'm always here. He said, no, I mean, he said, I just did not think you would have made it. He said, when I operated on you, he said, I did all I could do medically. He said, I would just walk in your room and pray in the Holy Ghost. That's all you do. He said, all I do is just walk in your room and pray in the Holy Ghost. All I knew to do and say, God. And the reason he could tell us that is we were the youth pastors to two of his sons. Now, see, that's the, see, he's, he, did, <clears throat> he did all he could do medically. But then when he understood there's a, only a, there's a door I got to knock on. And I'm thankful for a spirit-filled doctor who knows how to knock on the door that's going to receive the answer. But my hope to you today is, should you be in the situation where you don't have a spirit-filled knock, doctor to knock on the door, I want you to learn how to petition in prayer and knock on the door and just keep knocking. It's okay. You've come to the altar and been prayed for and you weren't healed in that instant. You're not a failure any more than when you go to the doctor and the first time you went, he didn't completely fix you up. We've got to get rid of this mentality that says that we've done something wrong if we're not healed. I mean, exactly. You're not good enough and don't come forward. And then, and then we have churches who are cessationists. What's a cessationist? They believe that the miracles and the healings of God are not for today. I'm a continuist. <clears throat> now, why don't we see the miracles that we did? Well, let's not define the Bible by our experiences, uh, certainly not our Western experiences, where we have been so culturally steeped in an environment that says if you can't get healed by medicine, you can't get healed. They do. There you go. And then God delivered you. It was gone. Exactly. So that, because when you, when you got to the door with the answer, yeah, no, I, I didn't want to.
What was holding back? You just thought, I'll just, you thought, I don't want you. Can I, can I put it this way and you tell me if it's true or not? I, you didn't maybe before want the inconvenience of having a Lord, but you wanted the convenience of not having to suffer the consequences of your sin. Oh, yeah. Lordship means something different. Okay, that's good. See? So you have just come hit on another one. A faith response is full, all-in surrender. That is a faith response. Yes. Becky? There you go. Unsurrendered prayers. Yeah. This is what <clears throat> years ago we had a pastor who we Mike came in, you were saved under. Um, this man was one of the greatest preachers that we had ever heard in our life. He was in the Church of God church and he had backslidden. He ran off with his piano player. Just fact, doesn't matter. Became an alcoholic and um, married an atheist. It's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, married married an atheist bartender, right? Because he met her in the bar. He then injured his back, and he was flat on his back, couldn't get out of the bed. You know, sometimes the Lord knows how to get you to the place to speak to you. All he had beside him, he said, this is his story, not mine. He said, all I had beside me was various whiskey bottles, and that's where I would reach in the morning, and that's how I'd start my day. He said, it got to the point that not even the whiskey would touch the pain. And so he finally said, and this, a, this was a preacher. He had three kids, left for his piano player. The piano player and him didn't even stay together. Just FYI, those things never do. So now he's married to the atheist bartender, and he's laying in his bed, flat on his back, and he said he prayed, God, if you will heal me and get me out of here, I will go back and serve you, right? The Lord instantly healed his back. It's like the Lord said, deal, deal, you know, and he, so he's like, well, there's a lot of inconvenient things going on right now. One of which is he's married to an atheist. And now here he is, like, uh, he said, he, his, her name was Brenda. She, he said, you know, I've got to, the Lord's healed my back and I've got to serve him. Yeah. So he calls a preacher whom we know, the, the pastor who married us, who, did, who performed our, our marriage. He said, he was a friend of his, he said, hey, I'm serving the Lord again. I want to know if you'll let me preach in your church. Like, I got to go back and, and, and of course, because they're friends. They have history. He said, yeah, come on. I, I was 15 at this time at this service when he came. This is no, this is at our home church in Bowie. He's preaching. It was the most anointed message I've ever heard in my life. I'm 15. I'm like, man, I don't even know what this is. But it's like the, the atmosphere was electric. His atheist wife is sitting on the back pew going. 
It was a service. I'll never forget it as long as I live. There was a Jericho march, and in that church, now that may seem really old-fashioned to y'all, but in that church, you didn't stay. You didn't stay in your pew when there was a Jericho march as you were subject to being prayed for. You know what I'm talking about? They start marching. You were the person in the city. <laughs> you know, they'll fall on you. So, you know, at 15, they're Jericho marching. You're like, I'm Jericho marching too. <laughs> but the, just, just try to blend in, right? Just blending in. Well, what was going on as we would, now, women in there, they would, the Holy Spirit would hit them. This is not dancing like kind of choreographed like I know what I'm doing. This was watch out the woman's, I'm just like, whoa, I mean, they would just start spinning. You know what I mean? And this, and I was just trying to dot. I'm just trying to fit in Jericho March as a 15-year-old and not get hit by a woman who's got who's dancing in the spirit. You know, and so, but every time I would walk in front, and he's standing up behind the pulpit. He's just praising. I don't know what he's doing. Every time I would walk in front of the pulpit, it's like the ground changed. Every time. I would walk and I would be like, as soon as I hit, there was like a certain spot in that, right in front of the altar. As soon as I touched it, it became like quicksand on my feet. I was like, <laughs> my feet, I could feel it. Like the ground I was walking on was not the same ground. And I could feel something coming through my legs. And I knew, I'm about to start dancing. And I'm 15. And I'm cool. I'm the coolest person I know. Because I hadn't met Mike yet. He's the only person who can match me for coolness. You know, so I'm like, and I'd walk and I'd feel it. And I'd say, oh, and I'm, you know, and I'd walk around the back. And it kind of, he'd go, soon I'd leave, go away. And I'd think, what are you, that's, okay, right. And then I'd walk again. I'd get there and I'd be like, I'm just this crazy. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. And I'd feel that shifting. Finally, after my, I knew I wasn't going to be, I did about three times, and I thought, I am about to lose my mind. And so I finally just, you know, did the only other thing you can do to get out of a Pentecostal service if you don't have a baby that you can pinch. <laughs> Gwen knows what I'm talking about. You go to the bathroom. You, I just went to the bathroom. There's no anointing in there. Sit on the toilet. Try to escape. Why am I saying all this? I'm telling you, this man, then he, he, he's preaching, right? He's a man, a faith response. So he had a faith response, and he got a faith response reaction from God. Then, then he comes in. He comes in, and he becomes the pastor of another church that we go to. I mean, it was this kind of anointing all the time, wasn't it, Mike? Oh, yes, she got saved. in the, when, your, when your atheist wife gets saved in revival, you know you've gone to a good revival. The preacher's atheist wife gets saved. Yeah, and so we go to this other church. But you know what? The same devils that got him the first time, they'll just come right. You think, no, surely his faith was at a level. Surely his faith had reached a place. But you still got to have a faith response. I watched him one time. A man was sitting right over here beside him who was down in, I mean, his back, just like this, like this, like walking in. You know what I mean? And just during preaching, just preaching, just preaching, he said, Rick. He grabbed his hand and said, run. 
Rick stood up and he took off running. Back healed. He never even quit preaching. Just keep on preaching. He would preach for two hours at a time. And you would sit there and you'd say, don't stop preaching, please. If only. And then, I mean, we'd go through it, but see, the same, the same challenge to his faith was there again. Not this time a woman, but it was the same challenge to his faith. Another form. And before you know it, he's decided, well, I don't need to be here. And he just gets a, gets a challenge. It's a test. All he had to do was run the play. All he had to do was just suck it up. All he had to do was just serve through the challenge. All he had to do was quit quitting. But he didn't. And we have looked and looked for him, haven't we, Mike? Because we want him to come preach here. He's divorced from his woman, wife now. I, I, I dare say I don't know. He's either dead or he's not serving the Lord. I'm telling you, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And the faith response is only a faith response when you look at your present situation. I don't know what it is. Is it the temptation to run off with your piano player? Is it the temptation to quit a church because somebody didn't respond in the way you thought they should respond? Is the temptation to, I don't know, you fill in the blanks. You fill in the blanks, whatever it may be. Is that your temptation? But here's what I want you to be able to answer. What is your faith response? I know, I know God will be there to help you in the situation. But you have to respond. What is your faith response when it comes to your situation with your finances? What's your faith response when it comes to your situation with your body? What's your faith response when it comes to your situation with your relationships? What's your faith response? It's a faith right then, right then and there, right in that moment. What is my faith response? Yes. Then we respond accordingly. Okay. We use the wrong, the wrong matrix to make the decision. Okay, so here. Here, I've already done this, and I don't think Becky was here when I did this teaching. Right here. I drew a line right here. Right? What's this line? Right over here is what? Past, present, and now. Well, I said heritage, history, your habits. It's a past to present response. You Take your response. See, because you, when James says, show me your faith without your works, he's being funny there. He's saying, not going to happen. 
Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He's not preaching a works gospel. He is saying the only appropriate canvas of faith is my response to the Word of God. So, which would be, that's it. There's something... Could you, Yvonne, you've already told me you were a drug addict. Could you call it faith if you were still hitting a crack pipe? That would not be the work of faith, would it? Okay, you'd be using, in order to do that, you, because you've already said this, I'm not embarrassing you, I know her well enough to know, that she would have to be going to the aggregate of her heritage, her history, and someplace in her old habits to make a determination for her today that was outside of faith. But faith is taking a future reality, something that's in the unseen, a destiny in the cross, a destiny in Christ, and making a today decision to respond according to what you don't see in a realm that is not seen and stop. See, the fact that you keep responding in the way you've always responded is that's where your confidence is. That's what you see yourself as. And, you're, and it ultimately comes down to this. You're more surrendered to the seen than you are to the unseen. You're more surrendered. When you're surrendered to the unseen, all the power of the unseen gathers inside of you. And in a moment, he can deliver you from drugs and alcohol bypass chemistry, bypass everything, but then what if you have the, what if that wasn't your reality? What if you still have cravings? You said, I will respond in faith. I will knock on the door. Where the, I'll, I'll keep asking. I'll keep seeking. I'll keep knocking. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. And so what there's no, so what you did is you brought James's reality out into the open. Resist, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All you did, Yvonne, was you just kept running the play. You're like, that's not a part of my identity. I don't. Yvonne Gossett does not smoke a crack pipe anymore. Or whatever. I don't even know. I'm just saying whatever. Meth pipe, whatever. I don't know what it is. It didn't matter. You, yeah, anything, girl. See, that's a faith response. I don't. That's not who... That old assignment of my life, wherever it came from, is not who I am. You can't just say it and not do it. It's not faith. I wonder. 
longer day. It's a constant knocking, seeking, asking. Okay, I wonder, guys, would y'all, would y'all, would y'all follow me? Would you come in here and listen to me if I had no proven track record of faith? I'm, I'm just asking. Y'all would. I mean, that's clearly the thing. None of us would, right? So the Lord is wanting to, he wants to establish you in a proven track record of faith. And there's only one way to do that. <laughs> Let's go. Let's let the word speak, guys, because now we're getting to that place. You're like, uh-uh, this doesn't match my, what I want to be true. Okay, let's see what James has to say. James is an awesome guy. He grew up with Jesus. He, James wants to step on your toes. He does. Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Hebrews, James. Okay, James 2, I'm just going to set up the thesis for the book of James because he does so in his opening comments. James 2 and 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren and sisterin, when you encounter various trials. I woke up this morning. Oh, I'm going to finish it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect worth so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Some of you are praying for perfect and complete, but you just won't go through any test. You fail every freaking test that you're given. Now you're like, I don't like that. But we're going to do something different this time. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right here. That the trying of your faith. So you're like, Lord, I want to be perfect and complete. He's like, great, so do I want you to be. I'm going to line up a test. And you're like, what? So he's refined. He's developing your faith in the test. You've got what you need. you just got to choose a course. He's already empowered you not to do what you've done 10,000 times. But you got to run the play. What do you mean? What do you mean? You, you mean I got to wait till I feel it? You don't wait till you feel anything. You just quit quitting. I just wish that you, if you just quit. There are times I don't even believe it, Becky. I don't. There are times I don't even believe it. Honestly, I have served the Lord and I didn't even believe it. You're like, well, what? I said, Lord. You know, I'm a little mad right now. And you know all those messages I preached? About you're either in blessing or you're on your way to blessing? They mock me right now. And he's like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to listen to my feelings first. I am not going when I, I, you know what I did when I did that? I still taught a class. I still taught a class. I still said the word that I knew was true, even when I didn't even know it was true. You know what I mean? I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it, Andy. I just kept on. And I said, Lord, I do know this. When I am faithless, 
you remain faithful. So I just keep getting up, I just keep getting dressed, and I just keep putting it out there because either this thing is true or it's not. And I run the stinking play. I don't have to feel it. I sometimes don't even have to believe it because I think we attach our believings with our feelings so closely if you're like me. I don't have to do that. I ju- faith response is I do what I do because I know it's the right thing to do. And when I quit doing what I know is the right thing to be doing, then I am moving into the area of faithlessness. And I'm heading to, and he's graceful. And he's still moving me. He's wanting to move me into the areas of faith. Faith response. What do you do in the face of the circumstance you're facing? What do you do? I mean, this church would be full of people. We would have to add stories on and wings out here and that one over here and that one. I've been building other churches over there and that one and that one and that one and that one. one, 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 one. If you could just quit, get people to quit quitting. Just quit quitting. Quit quitting. Come back for how long? Until it gets hard again. And then I will quit again. Now, if this bothers you, good. I would rather I can run you off now because you're going to do it anyway. Quit quitting. Quit quitting. Faith response. Faith response. What's faith do? What, what, What would faith do? What's your faith response? What's your faith response? Man, that's why I harp on you knowing the word of God. How do you know what faith's response is if you don't know the book? How do you know? You just buck up and go the way the world says to go. I just do what? I just do what I'm, my heritage, history, and my habits tell me to do. I want you to be a person who when the Lord comes, he has no trouble recognizing you because you just consistently respond in faith. And I didn't even finish what I want to tell you about that preacher. When he would stand behind the pulpit over and over and over and over and over and over and he would say this, when you feel yourself slipping, tie a knot and hang on. That's what he'd say. And I'm like, why didn't you tie a knot? And so, but, but, the Lord is faithful because there was two 20-somethings sitting in the audience. I was just 20. Mike was 23, who was hearing it. And we learned a faith response. And we've been tying knots ever since, Tim. We've been t- when it starts slipping, and how many times have we felt our stuff slipping? Many, many, many times. What do we do? We just tie a knot and hang on. Just tie a knot and hang on. Because you'll never knock on a door that you don't believe has an answer. You won't do it. You won't. And you will not consistently knock on a door that you don't believe has an answer. You'll find a way to blame the judge. And isn't that funny that Jesus uses the person. He puts the judge as an unjust judge. He makes him an unjust judge, and he says it twice to make sure it drops, who neither fears God nor regards men. An unjust judge. 
because over and over and over again, and believe me, I've done this long enough now to know I have a large body of evidence. Time and time again, the persons who won't pull out in a faith response in the midst of temptation, in the midst of circumstance, won't pull out the faith response, do so because they ultimately think God is unjust. They ultimately think he doesn't love me, he's not whatever it is. I was thinking along those lines just this past week after Mike, what is the time? Oh, almost, we're leaving here. After Mike preached on Joseph, I was just meditating on that. Love that. Just setting up at four in the morning. I was just thinking about that. And the Holy Spirit just dropped something. I, you know, the Bible says, early will I seek you. I, I get it. I'm in there first. I'm in the front of the line. And I said, and the Holy Spirit just said, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. Well, I knew what that was. That's Paul saying that. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And I don't know. It just hit me. The Holy Spirit can just say something and bring revelation and all in just a moment. It would take me a long time to explain it, but he unpacks it in a second. And he said, so many people don't know how to abase. When they're going through the abasing part of their life, they have no idea how to do that. When they're being tried, when, they're, when, when they feel like they're going through hell, when they feel the temptation, when they don't feel the good feelings, when the shout's not on, see, they don't have the know-how for that. They don't know how to abase. They don't know how to do that. They only know how to abound. But Paul said, I know how to do both. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I know I got both of them down. And it creates this continuity in your life where you can tell, most likely, you wouldn't know if me and Mike were abasing or abounding on any given day because we know how to abase and to abound. And here's how. When Joseph was thrown into a pit, he was sold, we're going to end right here, by his brothers. That's an abasing time, right? And we see all through Joseph's life, he never sinned against God. He knew how to abase. And I said, Lord, how did he know how to abase? How did he know how to go through the abasing times of his life? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. He said, because they stripped him of his father's favor, his coat. They stripped him of his father's coat, but they couldn't get at the father's favor. And never, Joseph never decided in that place that God was unjust. He always, even when the coat was gone and he is in the pit, he said, I still got my daddy's favor. When he went to Potiphar's house and he was being promoted, he said, I still got my daddy's favor. And whenever Potiphar's wife plotted against him, he said, I still got my daddy's favor. And whenever he was in the, the, the prison, he still had his daddy's favor. So that's how you both abase and abound. You want to drill maturity and continuity in your life so you can quit all this right here? We all know if you're abasing or abounding by your hairstyle. You know what I mean? You get yourself clothed in beloved identity. And you say, even here, God, I 
am favored of the Lord. And what you're doing is your faith response is based on what was done at Calvary and who Christ says you are. And that's the only response you give. So you, And I'm telling you, the devil won't even mess with you anymore in those little trivial kindergarten fleshly temptations. Yes. Fast. It'll have to be fast, Andy. Go ahead. 